Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. a little light because we're going heavy now. Uh, The book of James. I told a friend of mine, we're in the book of James. He said, yeah, I did the book of James four weeks. I go, "Uh, four weeks, man. What week is this? Week nine. We got more to go because we want to grow deeper and stronger in our faith. I, I don't know what conflict you're facing right now, what struggles you're facing. Maybe you came to church to escape your conflict and trouble and I'm going to talk about it today. I'm sorry. Maybe you came to church just trying to avoid every problem that you've got going on in life. Maybe it's a relational problem. By the way, don't respond if I say relational problems because the relational problem might be seated next to you. (laughs) So if anybody nudges you during this message, you get it, okay? And if you're watching online, you can nudge yourself. All right, unless you're sitting with somebody. Remember, James is the half-brother of who? Of Jesus. And it was Jesus who said in John 16, 33, these words. Here they are. There they are. Let's read them. I've told you all of this so that, trusting me, you will be unshakable and deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties, but I've what? conquered the world. And I love Eugene Peterson's The Message because it really is the heart of Jesus, and I think he captures it so well that we would be unshakable and assured of this deep peace that's available to us through Christ. That we would know that we would know that Jesus is the overcomer of of all things. And James understood that he's writing to a community that has been scattered They believed that when God's peace would come, that God would draw them from all faces of the earth, and they would all be together unified. And in the beginning of the book of James, it says, but you're scattered. You're not together. And he also is going to tell us that they're dealing with conflict. They're not getting along. They're Christians who are following after his half-brother, and they're not able to get along. Christians that fight, isn't that like just doesn't make any sense, does it? But if you've been around some Christians or if you've been around some churches, it seems like there's always something antagonistic going on. Someone's against somebody or somebody's angry about the color of the carpet. There's always something going on. They're wrestling with many issues and he's going to take them into his workshop, as it were, and try to work on them. And we can allow him to work on us through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's going to confront them about conflict. Now, if they were fighting about what Jesus had taught or what Jesus meant, James could tell them. If they were arguing and debating about the authority of who he was, that he was God, James could really, really show them that he was God. And if they were questioning the resurrection of the dead, as many in the early church did, James could say, I was an eyewitness. I know that Jesus rose again, and I know that he rose in bodily form. So if you have your Bible, we're going to go to James 4, your Bible app. Uh, You could open it as well, James 4, verses 1 to 2, and we're going to go right into it, and let's read it. What causes fights and 
Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Let's read it again. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. So James asks the question, and he answers it himself. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires? Don't they come from you not getting what you want the way you want it? See, he's trying to get us to understand that we're not just offended or not just, 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 just frustrated because we're offended or we're not just frustrated because somebody might have a, a, a bad theology. There's something deeper going on. And in your notes, if you'd write this down, your conflict isn't just caused by something out there. It's caused by something going on inside of you, or you could say it this way, inside of, inside of, of me. So, I like to draw and I like to doodle, and sometimes it helps me to think about things, especially uh, I will sometimes in my journal draw little pictures that help me understand what, what's going on. And so, this is, this is your life. This is your life. This is your life on a whiteboard, right? Right? This is your life. And so, we have conflict, Okay? We have conflict, and I'm just going to put down here, relational. Everybody understands that a lot of conflicts are relational, right or wrong? Good? Good? Yeah, relational conflict. We have a lot of conflict. We would like to believe that the conflict is because of, and I'm going to write this here, it's because of someone. Or how about, is that proper, someone's? (laughs) The someone's in our life. It's what they do. It's what they cause. It's how they treat me. It's how they respond. It's how they, yeah. But James seems to say, and doesn't he? Let me summarize it this way, and then we can all just repent and go home, right? I'm not getting my way. How you doing? The conflict with your husband, your wife, your brother, your sister, your boss, the commander, your subordinates, is because you're not getting your way. Now, let me give a disclaimer here. Your way may be the right way. If you're a boss and someone's not producing, they think they are, but they're not, um, the right thing would be to retrain Oh, you don't know these? Retrain, remove, or redirect. Right? So if they're not doing right in, in, in Department A, you redirect them to Department B. But you could retrain them. And if you retrain them and redirect them, you have one recourse left. Remove them. Yeah, you're so nice. Yeah, you don't want But you're not getting your way. Your way may be that they need to produce four things by Friday, and they do one and leave early on Thursday and never show up again. <laughs> All right? I'm not getting my way. Or, or I'm not getting my way because you have set the bar for the relationship too high. Or, or I can't get my wife to do the laundry anymore. Relational conflict, that's someone else's issue. 
Right? By the way, there's no scripture in the Bible that I found that the women should do the laundry. I looked for it. Boy, believe me, I've looked. Can I confess to you guys? My wife, Debbie, and I uh, have just, we just passed 42 years of marriage. No, no, no. That's the exciting part. Uh, and it is, I've never done the laundry. Not even once. I put stuff in the washing machine, but I never push the button. Because she knows I would screw it up. She's not going to get her way. The laundry's not coming out in one piece in the right color, so she just doesn't have me do it. And somebody go, well, he's just spoiled. I'm not spoiled. She's just smart. Because I'd put in way too much soap and way too many of those Tide Pods, and we won't go there. Your conflict isn't just caused by something out there. It's caused by something inside of you. And we want to blame the externals. We want to blame the, the environment. We want to blame people, but it's something going on inside of you. Can I ask you the question this morning? What's going on inside of you? What's happening deep inside of your soul? Are you getting closer to the Lord? Are you drawing away from him? Are you more concerned about yourself? Or hmm. He says, you, you, you desire and you do not have, and he went back to this powerful statement, and you kill. So I studied this. This is not just a metaphor. He's saying, literally, people were becoming violent in the body of Christ. People that were following his half-brother Jesus and believing in Jesus were beating each other up, sometimes to the point of death. You desire, you desire, and that's what's going on in the center of our soul. It's our desires. And can I tell you what I know about desires? Desires will lead you the wrong way if you're not careful. Desires will have you become angry at people. Remember, this is the same author, James, who says, uh, don't be angry. Be slow to speak, quick to listen. Be careful. We just talked last week about wisdom. Make sure you go after wisdom. And the week before, we talked about the power of the tongue. We can tear down in seconds what God has taken years to build in someone's life. You know what I said earlier before our, our greeting time, that God loves us and that we've got identity in him. You know how many people are desperate in our world to hear a word like that? You got to hear it with the price of admission. But you, I'll bet you there's coworkers you have that would just love to have you look into their eyes and say, you know what? My God thinks you're a big deal. Because there's people that are just beat up and left for dead in life. And you see them at work, and you see them in the neighborhood, and you, you see them in the marketplace, and you see them all around. You see them at family gatherings, and, they're, they, and they look great on the outside. But down in their soul, there's something that's not right. And I would bet you if you asked them, they would say this, I'm disappointed because my desires aren't being met, and I'm not getting my way. What do I mean by that? Well, every conflict boils down to this one truth. You're not getting what you want. And somebody's going to say, well, Pastor, I don't know what, what that really means. I don't get that. Well, let me help you. You want him to think blank, and he isn't. You want her to start doing blank or stop doing blank, 
and she won't. You want them to understand you, and they won't take the time. You want them to show you some sympathy. Please give me a little sympathy. You want him to love you. You want her to respect you. You want them to silence their cell phone. (laughs) You're not getting what you want. And that's practically the bottom line in almost every fight and quarrel that we have. By the way, if you disagree with this principle and are getting fired up to tell me why your case is the exception, please note that the reason you feel that way is because you're not getting your way. You want something. You want the pastor to say, but exception here, exception there. The next time you're in a conflict and things are about to escalate and go off the rails, it would really be good for you to say this phrase, You know what the problem is? I'm just not getting what I want. That's the problem. And you can spend all night talking with somebody about how they feel about what they feel about what they feel about what you said or did. But why don't we just cut to the chase? I'm going to save you a lot of counseling right now. Psychotherapy. Psychoanalysis. When you just look At someone in your life, a friend, a spouse, a brother, a sister, I'm just not getting what I want. I was in the drive-thru at Starbucks. I got the wrong drink. And another customer got the wrong drink because they handed a drink to the the car before me. My drink went driving off. (laughs) And this really nice girl, she's so nice to me whenever I go to drive. Oh, it's you again. Hello. How are you? How can I help you? I said, like a burrito. And (laughs) she goes, you're joking. But there was a gentleman here just recently said he wanted some super nachos. And Starbucks doesn't have though. I didn't know if you didn't know that Starbucks didn't have. (laughs) So she came and brought me the drink. It had someone else's name on it. It wasn't even my name. <laughs> now, I'm a nice guy, and, but it was just an ultra-bizarro drink. It's not anything I would even sip on. and I felt bad I had to tell her. I'm not getting my way. <laughs> huh? I'm not getting my way. Now, by the way, I'm not so small-minded to think that, well, if they give you the wrong drink or, or you ordered a chair and the wrong one came, just accept it because, after all, you don't want to have quarrels, James says. don't. No, no, I'm not saying that. There are some areas in life where you should get your way. Come on. You ordered ham and eggs and they came and they brought you biscuits and gravy. Come on. You should get your way. But don't be a stink about it. I've been in a restaurant where people are stinks about it. This is just wrong. This is the wrong. Anyway, I'll move on. I'll move on. Remember, you represent the Lord. But but the number one reason we have conflict is unmet desires. They're not meeting my needs. And in James 4, 2, he says, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and and you fight. 
Now, did you know when you came to church today that the reason for conflict, relational, it's not someone else's fault? Did you know before you walked into church that the reason you have conflict is because you have desires that aren't met? I hope you did. If you didn't, now you do. It's all about you, sweetheart. You envy and you covet. There are things you want and you don't have. And this runs so deeply in you that you hardly even recognize it anymore. It comes out in language. Other people know it. Must be nice to be you. Oh, I wish I got to go do it. Hmm. You know, I can't play the guitar like Holger. Man, that guy is just, it's so effortless. I could be envious of his guitar playing, or I could rejoice because God gave him a gift. I can't do both. I can't do both. I can't rejoice when, uh, you know, when, when somebody gets something. you remember what, what Paul the Apostle says? He says, weep at those who weep and Rejoice with those who rejoice. And he doesn't tell you you have to be in a weeping season to cry with somebody. He says, you, you could be a rejoicer. You just had something great happen to you, and here comes somebody who's crying, and you stop your rejoicing long enough to weep with somebody who's weeping. Or everything could be going wrong with your life. You could have tons of conflict, and somebody goes, hey, I just got a raise. Well, I didn't get one. Must be nice to be you. Are you kidding me? The Apostle Paul says, you stop your moping and whining and you rejoice with them. That's so great. Let's have a party. And you celebrate. People think you're nuts. He doesn't say you get to choose your season, but you get to choose how you respond in other people's seasons by rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who who weep. And somebody's going to go, man, that's just tough to do. Absolutely, the Christian life isn't easy at all. Someone else is a barrier or a threat to my happiness. But James is able to see your conflict isn't just about conflict or theology or ideas. It's about something going on in your soul, and it happens to all of us. And you can find envy and jealousy throughout Scripture. Isaac envied Esau's inheritance, so he stole it. King Saul was losing his throne to a guy named David, so he hunted him down like an animal in the caves. Rachel envied Levi's children, so she had her husband Jacob sleep with the maidservant to produce more kids. All right, my sister got all them kids, so I'm going to have my husband sleep with a slave, and that way we'll have more babies around here. End of envy. Right. And Joseph's brothers... They envied the status that Joseph had with his father, and they weren't the favored son. So what did they do? They sold him into slavery. They kidnapped him, and they threw him in a well. The Corinthian church, if you read carefully, you'll find out they were coveting the spiritual gifts that others had, and jealousy was a trademark of a church that was alive in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that crazy? We should rejoice at the gifts of others. We should rejoice at the benefits of others. We should rejoice at the blessing of others. Because if we don't, we're going to say, I'm not having my desires met. By the way, can I ask you a question? Let me be bold. Can I be bold? Okay, four people. Golly, man. Where's it written that you get to have it your way? Where's it written that you get your desires and your needs met? Where? Where? I had a young couple sit in the office. We're getting ready to do their wedding. And I said, why are you with her? 
And he said, oh, man, because I walk in the room with her under my arm. I mean, she's hot. I go, so you're marrying a trophy wife. Got it. That will last a long time, won't it? Well, you know, she, and it was almost like he used this old line from an old movie. She completes me. Yeah, oh, nothing. That's, that's the silliest thing I ever heard in my life. I liked Tom Cruise, and I liked him in Mission Impossible. I think he's awesome. If you're 56 years old and do your own stunts, God bless you. He's amazing. I got nothing, you know, his theology's screwed up, but I got, but he's amazing. Oh, you complete me. Listen, sweetheart, when you marry somebody, this is what I said to them sitting on the couch in the back. You're not marrying her because she completes you. You're marrying her because you can complete her. Because you can fulfill God's call in her life. If you're with her because she's going to do something great for you and make you all that, you're married for the wrong reasons. You should be more concerned with her becoming who God made her to be and the call on her life than you should with the fact that she can do your laundry, excuse me, or that, right? Or that she would complete you. Or that people would think you're smart because you have a hot chick on your arm. What do you do for looks change? I'm way off topic, but I don't care. Where is it written we're supposed to have all our needs met? That everybody around is supposed to cater to us? I mean, that will, you know what, you, what will happen with your life? You, you'll be caught up in this. Look at people fight because they crave influence, power, and the desire to be right. And who cares if you're right? Not many people. Huh? Not many people. They were craving influence, the people in James. They wanted to be right. They wanted to be in control. They fought because their hearts were filled with envy and desires for things they wanted that weren't theirs. And listen to this, number two. The the reason you do not have what you need is because you do not ask God. I got a call this morning from heaven. They called my Mahat phone. And there was three angels giggling on the other line. They said, it is Bernie? (laughs) I said, yes. They said, we're the angels from the warehouse of heaven. We have an inventory control problem. I said, you do? They said, yeah, we're building more and more and more warehouses all the time because people aren't asking for anything anymore. We have warehouses full of peace. We have pallets full of grace and forgiveness. We have semi-truck loads of comfort. And no one's calling us. Would you tell your people to start calling? To say, dear God, I need your peace. Oh, we have bucket loads of wisdom. James said, if anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask, and God will give liberally more than you need. People aren't asking God anymore. They're trying to be self-sufficient and self-contained and live, live in a circle of, it's, it's my way or the highway rather than it's going to be his way in my life. See, here's a life lesson. There are some things in life that only God can do, that God can fill, that God can heal, and God can support. And so there's holes in our hearts because we're not letting God fill that, those, those paces, uh, space, you know, places and paces. Yeah, that's right. Places and spaces. We're trying to do it on our own. You can't pick yourself up. Did you know that? 
If you fall down, you can't pick your... No, you can get yourself up. God bless you if you can. But you can't pick yourself up. Somebody's in the first service. Well, I'm an engineer. I could get a hoist and a, and a crank, and I'll pick myself up. No, no, no. You can't pick yourself up without some kind of apparatus. You can't. Only God can hold you. Only God can sustain you. Only God can guide you into the future that you have. Some of you are making some decisions about your future and where you'll go and what you'll do. Only God can direct you and lead you and guide you that way. But some people do ask God. This is what the angel said to me this morning. They said, some people are asking, but we're not giving them anything because James 4, 3, they're asking with wrong motives that they may spend what they get on their own pleasures. Or they might be shallow enough to take the comfort that we bring to their heart and use it on themselves. But the Bible says that we're to take the comfort that God gives us and comfort others. We're to be reconciled to God, but we have a ministry of reconciliation. We're supposed to be reconcilers to other people. We should be in the reconciling business. All of you are evangelists, whether you like it or not. Because God said, you take what I've given you and you share it with others. You go into all the world and and preach the gospel. That's an assignment for every person that's ever been converted. Any person that's ever come to Christ, that's, that's our assignment. And James seems to be bothered more by the, the selfish spirit and the bitterness of the quarrels than by the rights or the wrongs of viewpoints. He's not sitting there and saying, well, come and tell me now, why are you arguing with you? What's the quarrel about? What's your, who's right and who's wrong? He's not, he's not gonna waste his time. I think we waste a lot of time doing that. How about we just start asking this? Are you getting what you want? Are you having your needs met? Are you being fulfilled? (laughs) James 4.4 says, um, boy, and you want to get bold here. If you came to this here fluffy message, you missed it because we're in James. Not my fault. He wrote it. James 4.4, you adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God. Now, he doesn't say you can't enjoy a movie or you can't go have barbecue at your favorite place or, or you can't enjoy the beautiful coastline that we have or you can't go out and surf beach. Well, right now you can't. We have too many violations. Can't go see the plover. Yeah, it tastes just like chicken. Anyway, <laughs> I would know that. I just read that somewhere. I'm going to do stand-up at Fort Honolulu one night. You, will you come if I... No, you won't come. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with... The, in other words, if you're embracing the world and the world is permeating inside who you are, there's a problem. He says it's enmity with God. It was the Moffat translation that says hostility towards God And it's a movement away from his purpose. It is implicitly challenging God and God's way. That's what James is saying. You guys have embraced the world system. You think the world system can help you solve conflicts. You think the world system can fill your heart and give you what you want. It doesn't work that way. So, we have... Peripheral concerns, we all do. That's like paying the bills and shopping list and making sure somebody gets the laundry done, right? 
We have primary concern, things about our family, our, our health, our relationships with people. That's primary concerns. But then we have our core concern, right in the center, right in the center of your soul. And if there was a way I could draw this little center, right, right in the center of your heart. And, and this is where you have to define who is the most important person and what matters the most in the center of your heart. See, our temptation is to always have something else as what matters most. That's our temptation. Something else matters most. But when God is really the center of your heart, and, and I don't have this mastered. I'm on a journey of faith just like you are. I'm fighting to make sure that God is at the center of it all. You know, Jesus at the center of it all. We've heard that song. We like that song. We sung it here. It's great. It's Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it's all of... <laughs> well, do you ever, you ever like want to stop and go, I shouldn't sing the rest of the song? From beginning to the end, it's all about you, Jesus. Nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do. Are you kidding me? There's all kinds of stuff in this world that will do, Lord. Why would anybody write a song like that? But the song is about no one else gets the place that God gets. No one else gets to sit on the throne of your heart, at the core of your being. It's just a place for God. Maybe for you, what matters most, if, if you're honest, is relational fulfillment. Maybe you want somebody to complete you. Maybe what matters most is vocational success or career or advancement or promotion or more stripes or more bars or whatever. Maybe it's your kids. Someone sent me a note recently and said, you know, I, I believe that I put my kids so far up there that sometimes I put them above God. I preached that for years here. I love my kids. I love my kids. I am the proudest dad of his son. I don't think anybody in this room could be prouder of their boy than me. I am just so proud. If you come back at 3 o'clock today, all I'll do is talk to you about my son. I'm sure you'll all come back. You see him on the news? I saw him on the news. KSBY, KYT. By the way, he's on the news. He's a battalion chief with Lompoc Fire. I don't want to think he's on the news because he's wanted or something, but <laughs> he was talking about the fires in the riverbed and all of that. And I, I won't go there, but anyway, that's, that's where he went. And uh, so he's on the news. So I have friends from Virginia, uh, Hawaii, uh, Oregon. They're all, we saw your boy because they have in their Google alert Fetterman. So anytime a Fetterman, me or my son, gets put on the internet, it sends them an alert. So my friend in, in Virginia, hey, I saw Brian four, four times on TV, and it was all cool. I said, isn't that great? I love my, boy, I love my son. I love my daughter, Jamie. I love them, but not more than, than God. Not more than God. And if I had to choose, which I wouldn't, but if God said, you can have your kids or you can have me, and I think, listen, I think some of you would have a real hard time. I wouldn't. I would whisper to them, you choose God too. See ya, I'm out. And I <laughs> make sure that they have God in their life, right? Oh, but my little boy, my little girl, I see some of you with your kids and you should. You should love them and be proud of them and support them, especially in their education and help them and, and send them to college and 
200,075 million later, you'll, yeah, be, just be happy. Just, just do your thing. But nothing else, no one else can take the place of God. But usually it's not our kids. It's usually us. In the secret moment of ourselves, we want what we want. And so here's the questions we can ask. This is your homework assignment. What's at the center of your life and what matters most to you? What's at the center of your life and what matters most to you? And if you were honest with these two questions, I think they would reveal a lot. Spend some time with the Lord this week. Spend some time just alone with the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, what do you see at the center of my life? What, what do you believe matters most to me? But the answer for conflicts, it does get better before we leave. Don't worry. The answer for conflicts is to be humble and receive grace. But he gives, verse 6, let's read it. But he gives us more, more grace. Anybody need more grace? Yeah. By the way, it's in the context of quarreling that he says he gives us more grace. Isn't that something? It's in the context of us not asking God in prayer with the right motives. It's God's grace. By the way, the angel said on the phone this morning, we've got too much grace up here. No one's calling. Hey, Lord, send your grace. And that is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. I, I want to be that humble person. James uses the Old Testament to say God opposes the proud. You can be humble or get humble. The option, the choice is really yours. You be humble or, or get humbled. And so we're talking about grace. I, I threw together just some definitions. Most of these are my own. And I was just thinking about grace. Grace is the power of God to do that which you cannot do for yourself. Grace is another chance after a long list of second chances. Come on. Anybody glad? Grace is forgiveness and freedom from shame and guilt that you cannot escape on your own. But humility that allows that grace to come is the ability to let go of what you want and to embrace what God wants. Humility is a surrender of your needs that you place above the needs of others. See, grace doesn't lower the bar. It simply clarifies who's holding the bar. It clarifies who's holding it. In all your expectations of life, I'm going to obtain this. It's God who's holding the bar. And don't you dare hear me say that we should all lower our standards or our work ethic. I'm not saying that at all. I talked to a lady recently who said, my boss is always on me. He's always on me. And I said, well, how you doing in the area of productivity? She says, well, he wants me to do 10 things. I said, yeah, you should do 15. She thought she was going to get simpy from me. I said, you ought to do 15. Well, why, why, why? Because my friend doesn't do seven, and, I, and she makes more than me. And I go, oh, envy and jealousy. You hear it all in one sentence? And I said, you don't work for your boss. He said, yes, I do. I said, no, you don't. You work for the Lord. So go do 15 for him and pray as you deliver the product that it will be acceptable to the boss. He said, well, you sound like a tyrant. I said, I, I'm not. I could be, but I'm not. I'm not saying lower the bar. He says, yeah, well, I got, I got like four things out of 10 done. I go, you should be fired. 
Right? What's four out of ten? What would that be in a grade? That's 40%, right? Is that a passing grade? No. You're done. Redirect, retrain, remove. I say remove. Yay, yay, remove that girl. She was out here up front. She wanted me to feel bad for her. I said, well, if you worked here, you'd be gone. The church would, I said, no, the church, I would do that to you. <laughs> she was complaining about her boss because she wasn't getting her, her way. Yeah. The boss was complaining about her because he wasn't getting his way. And I said, his way determines the paycheck, so do it his way. See how easy that is? The posture to receive grace is always humility. And number four, the healing for your heart happens as you surrender to God and come near to him. You got conflicts going on, relational issues, someones in your life. You, you know what you do? You come in humility to God, and then James 4, 7, and 8 says, give yourselves completely to God. Stand against the devil, and the devil will run from you. Now, I wish I had about an hour, but I'm just going to do it in a minute. It's possible. I have seen people over and over again, devil, I rebuke you, get out of here, get behind me, devil, devil, get out. But listen, listen. if you want to rebuke the devil, you go right ahead. But notice what James tells us, and elsewhere it says, do you resist him, and he flees from you. You can speak to him if you want. If that makes you feel good, go right ahead. But when you're in your speaking, don't forget to resist whatever he's wanting you to do. If he's trying to give you lies about yourself or if he's trying to get you upset about someone else or to get caught up in a vortex of conflict, you've got to also be able to, to, to what does it say? Give yourself completely to God first, then you stand against him. I'm not budging from here. I'm standing my ground. You read about spiritual warfare, having all that you can do, stand, and having done everything that you can do, still stand. You're like, I'm not budging. The devil says, I'm going to move you from that, that spot you're on. I'm not moving. I'm going to resist you. I'm going to tell you you have no place here, and I'm going to stand my ground, and I'm going to give myself completely to God, and I'm going to come near to God, and God will, come on, he will come near to you. I'm going to go near to God, and God's going to go near to me. So James is saying, you got quarrels? It's not all about you. Well, it is all about you because that's where the quarrels come from. But life shouldn't be all about you. You have issues in your life? Be humble. Receive my grace. You have issues going on? Ask me to help you. Ask me, and I will give you what you need. But don't ask for your own motives. Don't ask for your own self and your own pleasure. Ask so you can be all that God wants you to be. And then he says, you give yourself completely to God, stand against the devil, and you come near to God because God's going to come near to you. By the way, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I read a Greek dictionary, and here's what it said. This is something that is a continual process. You don't give yourself completely to God and say, oh, that's it, I'm done now. I went to a camp and I gave myself completely to God. I went to a women's conference. I gave myself completely to God. I came to church, gave myself completely to God. Oh, that was five years ago. I'm fine now. This is a everyday constant process. I give myself to you today, Lord. It's Monday morning. I give myself to you, God, and I stand against the devil and all his schemes and all his tricks. I will not listen to him. 
And I'm going to stand so hard and so strong and so fast, filled with God and his grace, that the devil's going to flee from me. That's really cool. And in the process of all that, I'm going to go near to God and step into God's presence, and God's going to come near to me. I make one step to God, and he, he shows right up. That's the way that reads. I come, I, I come near. I approach him, and he comes running to me. And what does he do in the process? Watch this. He gives me more of him so he can be at the center of it all, and I can stop saying, I'm not getting my way. I just want God to get his way. Last point, we're done. During conflict, we don't react in anger. We respond by the Spirit through the power of humble grace. We don't react in anger. I'll give you a piece of my mind. By the way, stop giving people pieces of your mind because there'll be nothing left of your mind to give. We respond by the Spirit through the power of humble grace. That's what we need to do when conflict arises. We stop and we say, here we are, Lord. We give you ourselves. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.